Well, here we are again, back in the city of Bristol. It's a great blessing for us to come back, get the banner up, and talk about issues which have eternal consequences. It was interesting to me a couple of nights ago, as I was going around the streets of uh, Bristol, putting uh, gospel tracts through people's letterboxes, to see just how many people take recycling serious. And some people take it very seriously. Good uh, citizens of Bristol, obeying their council, obeying the government. And the Bible says that Christians are to obey the powers that be. And I saw many, many houses, many, many people getting their uh, rubbish out some time to be collected, recycling pretty much everything and anything. Very few people questioning as to why there's a need to do such, just following instructions. And, the, and uh, the scripture says that mankind must be perfect because God is perfect. The Bible says that God has ordained a day when he would judge the whole world in righteousness. He's chosen a day and we believe that to be referred to as the great white throne judgment when every unsaved man, every unsaved woman will be resurrected to be judged by the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Word of God says that if their name's not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, off into the lake of fire they go. And people say, I don't like the idea of that. Well, let me ask you this question. If you don't like what I just said, why do so many people use the word hell so loosely? Amen. You can't have it both ways. You can't say you find it offensive that one day there'll be a judgment and those whose name's not found in the Book of Life will go off into the lake of fire forever, which of course is hell, the second death, and then turn around and say that it's okay to use the word hell in a loose way, in a cavalier manner. You cannot have it both ways. But like I've been preaching over the last few days, heaven is somebody's home. Heaven is the place where Almighty God resides with his everlasting holy angels. And if you can picture your home for one moment as a place that you like to go and relax after a hard day's work, you invite friends and family to your home. You're very selective, aren't you, as to who is allowed to enter into your home. You don't have, a, you don't have an open door policy, very selective. Well, heaven's the same. The scripture says that in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you there unto myself. That's a picture there of intimacy. That's a picture of closeness. That's a picture of enjoying something quite special. But you see, until you are born again, you don't fit into heaven. Until you are saved, it's not for you. You can't go to heaven, of course, because you haven't been saved. You haven't been forgiven. You see, the problem is this, that we're born with the wrong kind of blood. We are born with the wrong type of bodies. Our brains are wired up incorrectly, can I say. And therefore, something, someone has to retune you, rewire you. And the Bible speaks about such as the new birth, being born again. I would imagine over the next few hours, 
and we aim to be here for the next few hours, that we will see many religious people, many church people, many professing Christians coming along, some perhaps pushing their church or their system, and in reality what they want you to do is join them, sign up on the dotted line. We're not here to do that. The Bible speaks about preaching Christ Jesus. When we speak about love, only one person really loves you. I mean ultimately, I mean unconditionally. Only one person really loves you, and that of course is the Lord Jesus Christ. But the problem is that we don't love him. The problem is we don't know him. I mean until we're born again. We know of him of course. And the main cuss word that I hear a lot is OMG. A lot of people use that, they don't care, and they do so because they are pagan. They do so because they are unregenerated. They do so because they don't know the Lord. If I was to come into your home and disrespect your mother or your father, your husband or your wife, you'd ask me to leave, and quite rightly so. The same is true of people today. They are disrespectful to Almighty God. They make crude remarks about his only begotten son. They offer themselves as something special. If you can recall an account back in the Old Testament of two brothers, Cain and Abel. And one day, they were in the field doing their work. And Abel was getting ready to offer a sacrifice to the Lord. And his brother was about to offer an inferior sacrifice to the Lord. And the Bible says that there is life in the blood. The Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. God's a very bloody person. You say, why would that be the case? Because we are very bloody. Our bodies have a lot of blood. If you take blood out of your body, you die. It's as simple as that. And the Lord said this, he said, I want sacrifice. I want something which is valuable, valuable to you, something which is credible. I don't want something which is cheap. And yet, unfortunately, so many people offer their own works. They offer up something like church attendance or a tithe. And they actually think that they're going to please the Lord by going to church. They actually think that the Lord is going to uh, congratulate them for giving to charity, doing this or doing that. They have no idea. The Bible says to be perfect for God is perfect. The Bible speaks against being a double-minded person. The Bible says that your righteousness, that means you, as a person, is no good. So something has to happen to you. You have to be made alive. You must be born again. And therefore, as the story continues in the uh, book of Genesis, Abel's sacrifice was received of the Lord. Cain's was not. You say, why? Well, because Abel took the time to offer a livestock to the Lord. Probably his firstborn could have been a lamb of some kind, whereas his brother wanted to offer fruit. His brother thought that his vegetables, a bit of grass, maybe some uh, potato or two, would please the Lord. And the Lord said, listen, I've given you life, I've given you everything that you cherish, and I'm going to allow you to have children, and he would for Cain, and this is how you, re you repay me. You offer something cheap, something which means nothing to you. And one day these two brothers were in the field, like I say, doing their work. And Cain could see that his sacrifice wasn't particularly well received, and his brothers was. And Cain became very angry, very envious 
jealous. And that's a major problem we have in the UK today, jealousy, envy, pride. I am this, I am that. In fact, just last week, Prince Harry was at the uh, Invictus Games in uh, Toronto, Canada. And his uh, catchphrase, his slogan is, I am. Let me say this to you, the term I am is one of the names of the eternal God. I am that I am. You don't use that name or that term lightly. But go back to Cain and Abel, if you will. Two brothers, twins, all born very uh, similar, very, you know, in, in a similar time period, very near to one another, are in the field working, and Cain knows that the Lord is against him. And he sees his brother being well received, and he's jealous. And he says to himself, I'm going to deal with my brother. I can't stand the idea of my brother being a good-eyed, or a goody two-shoes, a blue-eyed boy. I'm going to deal with him. And unfortunately, they get into an altercation, and Cain murders his brother. That's the first murder in Scripture. And even after that, the Lord is still merciful. He calls on Cain to come clean, and of course he doesn't. And the Lord says to himself, well, if he won't repent, what can I do? I'm very merciful, I'm very loving. All day long I stretch out my hand to again saying people, I'm going to weep over Jerusalem. I'm going to be shedding a lot of tears. The Bible says that God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He challenges Cain, he calls on Cain to confess, but to no avail. Cain doesn't take responsibility. And the Lord says, well, there you are, you see. I'm a good God. You're a very bad man. I'm going to kick you out of your comfort zone. And yet even then, Cain is able to go off, marry, have children, and no one takes his life. The Lord puts a mark on him, and the Lord says this, that if you take Cain's life, I'll take your life. The Lord is giving Cain time to repent, even after killing his brother. And poor old Abel, he dies cut down in his prime. And we call that a type of Christ, cut down in his prime. Abel was a good man, Cain was a bad man. The Lord loved uh, Abel, and he had a love for Cain as well. But Cain didn't love the Lord. This is a problem, you see. People say, well, God loves me, and God loves you, and God, lo and God loves us. That's true, but do you love God? Would you stand up for him? Would you defend him? You say, God loves me, yes he does, but do you love him? The Bible says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Are you walking with him? Do you know him? Could you tell me how to be saved in 25 seconds? How about 10 seconds? Could you explain to me why I need to be saved? Could you explain to me what sin is? Could you explain to me what uh, repentance is? Some of you people go to church. Some of you people will be in church tomorrow. You might be Catholic, you might be Protestant, you might be Orthodox, you may, you may be uh, Evangelical, Fundamental. How many of you people are born again? How many, how many of you people know the need to tell others about the new birth? So Cain is expelled from the presence of the Lord and he goes off and he enjoys himself for a long period of time. And like all people, he dies. The Bible says, it's appointed unto man once to die, but after this a judgment. And I would imagine that Cain was an unsaved man. He didn't uh, want fellowship with the Lord. He didn't call on the name of the Lord. He didn't seek uh, salvation or forgiveness from the Lord, unlike his brother, of course, who did. And I would imagine that it's been several thousand years now since Cain died. 
and if I understand my Bible correctly, he's in hell. In fact, Jesus Christ said this, he said, except ye repent, ye should all likewise perish. And I wonder how many people really understand what that means. Except ye repent, except you change your mind, except you humble yourself, except you stop what you're doing and do an about turn. Uh, an about turn. You shall all likewise perish. The word perish is an old English word meaning to be destroyed. It means to suffer everlasting shame and contempt. Hell is a place under your feet. Hell is a place of everlasting torture and torment. Jesus Christ spoke about a man called Lazarus and a man called Abraham. Similar to Cain and Abel, if you will. And Lazarus was a saved man, forgiven man, like Abel. And the rich man was an unsaved man, a bad man, like Cain. And these two men both died around the same time, both went into the ground. The Bible refers to that as Abraham's bosom, the pit. And Lazarus, a good man, a saved man, is in dialogue with Abraham. And you've got the rich man there. And the rich man, the unsaved man, is a picture of Cain. And Lazarus is a picture of Abel. And Lazarus was a servant, a poor man, but he had the right attitude. His heart was right with the Lord. And Lazarus is pictured there with the rich man, Cain, if you will. Lazarus being Abel. And Abraham is present, and Abraham is like God. And the rich man is calling on Abraham to help him out. And he says this, he says, Father Abraham, have mercy on my soul. I'm in this awful place of torments. I need some water. And I'm sure some of you people can uh, appreciate what it's like to go without water. We've had some hot summers over the last few years. And if you're out for a period of time and you're desperate for water, it's pretty unbearable. It's like when you want to go to the toilet and you can't find a toilet and you just want to find somewhere to go. It's very uncomfortable. Imagine being in a place called hell, extreme heat, just burning, and you just, you, know, you just want some water, any water, just a drip of water to put in your tongue. And he says to Abraham, have mercy on me, send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in my tongue, for I'm in this place of torment. This is a real story of two people. And the Lord says to the rich man, you've had a good life. You've made lots of money. You've got Moses and the prophets. And he says, yes, but listen, I'm in, I'm in this terrible place. Please send somebody to one of my five brothers. And the Lord said, well, you've had creation. You've had a conscience. You've had Christians in your town standing up for me in Bristol on a Saturday afternoon. They've had a banner up. They've had a megaphone. What more do you people need? And the man says, please, Lord, I can't bear the thought of my family coming to this place of torments. And this dialogue, this desperate dialogue, goes on for maybe five or six minutes, and Abraham says, I can't help you out, because once you die, your eternal abode is fixed. And the rich man has a breakdown, he can't handle it, he knows there's many roads to hell, but not one out, and he says to himself, I'm stuck. I'm finished, I'm ruined. I can't get out of this place. And he starts to scream and shout, 
starts to beg the Lord for this and that, says, I do this, Lord, I do that for you, Lord. I'll uh, turn my life around for you, Lord. And the Lord says, sorry. Too little, too late. That's a picture of Cain, the first murderer. His concept of God was wrong. His heart was wrong. His thought life was wrong. He thought he was right. He did religion as and when he wanted to, like many people in Bristol. Many people in Bristol will take their children to be christened. Many people in Bristol will go to church maybe once or twice a year. Many people in Bristol will offer themselves as being Christian. In fact, the last census carried out some years ago said that nearly 60% of Brits offer themselves as being Christian. But where's the fruit? Where's the evidence of that? And Jesus said this, he said, uh, what would it perish or what would it uh, profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? I think of Cain as a very uh, privileged man and yet a very wicked man. And the Lord said, well, I can either kill you or allow you to live. And the Lord was very gracious to Cain. He allowed him to live, like I say, until his days expired. And the same is true of people today. He may be very gracious to people here today. He may allow you to live to your, till you're in your 80s or your 90s. But if you die without Christ, you lose everything. You become the biggest loser in the world. So let me say this and I'll just wrap this up. When I read the Bible, I see two people. I see two types of people. I see one type of person whose heart is right, who loves the Lord, who wants to do right by the Lord, who walks with the Lord who pays a huge price for the Lord and will suffer for doing such. Abel was sacrificed, Abel was cut down because of his brother's envy, his hatred. The other type of person in the Bible is someone like Cain, has a temper problem, is an angry person, has a foul mouth, has a wrong type of religion. And he thinks that his religion is okay, he thinks his relationship with the Lord is okay. He may go to church, he may go to this place or that place, he may do this or that. He may live a good life, he may be careful what he eats, he may be careful what he drinks, he may be a good neighbour, he may be a wonderful person. But his relationship, his attitude, his thoughts concerning the one true God are all wrong. And that's why it's imperative to be born again. Your house is a special place, your house is a place that you can relax in and you can decide who can or who can't enter your home. Heaven is the same sort of place, same kind of thing. God is very selective as to who can come into his home. He won't take anyone as they are. He will receive you as you are and he will transform you as you are, but he won't receive you as you are until you come to him on his terms. It's like arriving at the airport without a passport. No passport, no plane. Or you wake up in the morning and it's pouring with rain, you need to get dressed. You can't go out until you're dressed. You have to prepare yourself, you see. The same is true of the Lord. You have to prepare yourself through the new birth, through being born again. It's a free gift. And the Bible says that if you believe on him, if you receive him, if you come to him, he will in no wise he will in no wise, he will in no wise cast you out. But if you reject him, if you turn from him, or if you offer your own religion in lieu of his, 
or your good works in lieu of the Lord's works or your own righteousness in lieu of the Lord's righteousness you won't make it and that's why you were told to examine yourself that's why you were told to make sure you haven't believed in vain to make your calling and election sure to get under the blood so we're going to be here for the next few hours we've got many tracks to give out the banner as you uh, as you can see is uh, visible for all to see and we hope and pray that some of you will come over and speak to us take some tracks from us ask us how to be saved you need to be saved I can tell you this that 10 out of 10 people die every year around 56 million people die that's something like 8,000 an hour which is around 150,000 every 24 hours most of those people die unexpectedly you may be one of the few fortunate ones that is told when you will die and you may perhaps make your peace with God but a good many people die when they're young could be through a car accident could be through something more serious unexpected and they haven't got time to get the house in order and yet even that needs to be explained because even if you are at the end of your life and you have breath in your lungs if you call in the name of the Lord if you turn to him if you receive him he will still save you at the 11th hour like the thief on the cross so I hope you examine yourselves I'd like to think some of you people have Bibles this is a very advanced city I'd be pretty shocked to be told that some of you people haven't got Bibles and if you have I would hope you go home and read them our purpose is to preach Christ Jesus crucified our purpose is to point you to the Savior of the world we're not here to push church we're not here to push philosophies ideologies theories speculations conspiracies we're here to preach Christ Jesus amen and amen so it's probably worth reminding ourselves what the Bible says about the Lord being loving being merciful being holy at the same time having a very very high standard when it comes to what's right and what's good some people think that God is just love that's only half of the story if you are a parent if you are a person of any amount of uh, moral uh, being you know that there has to be a counter there has to be a balance good and bad right and wrong and while the Lord has a love for the world and I've already spoken about the the beggar in heaven or in power in uh, Abraham's bosom and Abel who had a sacrifice being well received by the Lord contrast that to Cain's inferior sacrifice contrast that to the rich man's inferior sacrifice to the Lord and the Lord made a decision he said I'll take you and I'll pass up on you and the Bible speaks about an awful day of judgment when the world stand in his presence and he says that many will say to him that day Lord Lord have we not prophesied in thy name have we not done many wonderful miracles and works in your name and he says to them I never knew you depart from me you workers of iniquity 
What a terrible thing to hear. Imagine uh, being offered a job and you arrive at your place of employment only to be turned away. Can you imagine how awful you would feel? You spent weeks preparing for the job, you've done a bit of training and you arrive up, you know, you, you arrive on the day to be turned away. You feel sick, wouldn't you? I can't imagine how many people are going to be turned away at the judgment. Lord, is his name in the book of life? No, it's not. Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire. Prepare for the devil and his angels. Hell wasn't prepared for man. Like the Lord's mansion in heaven with many rooms, it's not prepared for everybody without exception. It's prepared for those that love him. It's prepared for those that have received him. There are rules and regulations in society. The same is true concerning the kingdom of God. But too many people think that the Lord will just overlook what they do. They've been lied to by churches, they've been lied to by false believers. They've also been lied to by themselves, they've deceived themselves, they've believed a lie. And they have this false notion that they can do what they please and the Lord will just overlook it, he won't. If you take the time to read the four Gospels, you find Jesus Christ condemning unjust anger. He said to one person that if he, if he hates his brother, or if he wants to hate his brother without a just cause, he's guilty of murder. Just a thought will put you in a lot of trouble with the Lord. Never mind the act, never mind the deed. Just a thought, just being angry, unjust anger in your heart towards another party, as far as God is concerned, you are a murderer. And the Bible says that no murderer has everlasting life abiding in them. You see, he will look at your thought life, not just what you do, but what you don't do. So yes, the Lord is loving, but he's also holy. His standard is so high that if the truth be known, you can't reach it. That's why he became a person in Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus Christ walked on this earth for three and a half years. Never lied, never stole, never had a bad thought, never gossiped, was never unkind, was perfect in word, thought and deed. And yet, look at yourself, could you say that about yourself? Could you say you, you are perfect in word, thought and deed? Of course you can't. And that's why if you die without Christ, you can't go to heaven. Because you're not clean. You're not worthy to stand in his presence and yet he will receive you. He actually wants you to enter into his home, his kingdom. When Jesus died on the cross, he would say, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. He would say, it is done. He would say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's wonderful news. So the ball is left in the courts of someone, anyone, anywhere, to think about the words of the Lord, to weigh up the message of the cross. He won't force himself on anyone. It says in one part of the scripture that he stands at the door and knocks. He's a very patient God, a very merciful God. And yet one day his anger will just come out of nowhere. If you lived back in the days of Noah, it says that they were marrying, giving a marriage, enjoying family time, life was pretty good, everything was pretty normal, and then one day the flood came and took them all away. And just one family of eight souls survived. Just eight souls. The Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. 
The Bible says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, through me. The Bible says there's no other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. The Bible says there's only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. The Bible says Christ Jesus tasted death for every man. People say, well, God loves me, but do you love him? Do you know him? So many people go through life without a care in the world. And yet, like I said a few moments ago, some of you people, a good number of you people here in Bristol, take your recycling very seriously. You get your bins out on time, you do what you're told, you obey your council, you obey the government, you're good citizens, you don't rock the boats, and yet you don't obey the Lord. You don't believe in the Lord, you don't trust the Lord. It's kind of an inconsistent way of being. But this, of course, is modern, secular, post-Christian Britain. The wonderful thing is this, that salvation is a free gift. Salvation is a supernatural action. If you are saved, you are saved because God saved you. If you are walking with the Lord, if you are serving the Lord, you are doing so because he allows you to do so. He empowers you to do so. So many people think if they do religion, if they join a church, or if they do this or that, that the Lord will receive them. Going back to Cain's wrong attitude of God, and the rich man in hell's wrong attitude of God. You have nothing really to offer the Lord. I mean before you are saved, I mean before you are forgiven. In and of yourselves you have nothing to offer the Lord. It's only after you are saved. It's only after you are born again can you offer him your heart. Can you offer him your being? Can you offer him your very person? That's the good news. The Bible says to present your bodies as living sacrifice unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. But that comes after you are saved, not before you are saved. As it stands, before you are saved, you are an unnatural man. You can't save yourself. You have nothing to offer the Lord. It's only after you are saved. Are you able to do something for the Lord? And even that is still a gift of God. The Bible speaks about serving the Lord. The Bible speaks about sacrificing yourself, not in a physical sense, but in a spiritual sense. The Bible says that the love of the world makes an enemy of the Lord. The Bible says the love of the world means you don't have the love of the Father inside of you. Paul spoke about being dead to the world, but alive to the Lord. Once you get born again, your whole outlook on life changes. Not only do you go from being an unsaved enemy of the Lord, but you become alive. You become alive, you become a friend of the Lord. And now it's time to start serving the Lord. I can tell you that before I was saved, the thought of me standing here in the beautiful city of uh, Bristol, preaching about Jesus Christ, would have been a joke to me. I was a religious person, I was a Catholic, went to church, my family had many priests in our family, in the Catholic Church, and yet I wasn't born again until I received Jesus Christ as my own saviour. It's about a relationship. It's about a close relationship. You might love your husband, you might love your wife, you might love your mother or your father. Times that by a hundred. Times that by a thousand. 
Winnicht, uh, concerns Jesus Christ. Your love for Jesus Christ is far more than your love for your loved ones. Your husband may fail you, your wife may fail you, your mother or your father may fail you, you may fail them. Your kids may fail you, you may fail your kids. But Almighty God will never fail you. The Lord Jesus Christ will never fail you. The Bible says I will never leave you, nor forsake you. The Bible says that you are safe in the hands of the Lord. But in order to come to the Lord, in order to be safe in the Lord, you must be born again. There was a conversation recorded back in the Gospel of John concerning Jesus Christ and a well-to-do Jew called Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was a scholar, a very well-to-do Jew. He knew the Old Testament back to front. In some ways he was a bit like uh, Cain. In some ways he was a bit like uh, the rich man in hell. And one day he had a conversation with Christ and Christ started to speak about everlasting life, about being born again, and he went right over Nicodemus' head. And Jesus had to explain it very simply so a child could get it. And he said this, that unless you are born again, you won't see the kingdom of God. He wasn't speaking about a physical rebirth, That's, that of course is impossible. But he was speaking about a spiritual rebirth. Your first birth can't save you. Your first birth does nothing for you. Your first birth brings you into the human family, but the spiritual birth, the second birth, puts you into the family of God. That's what we are interested in today. Those of us which are here in Bristol today, we are interested in speaking about the spiritual rebirth, to be born again, to come to the Lord Jesus Christ as a wretched sinner. O wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from the body of this death? Who can redeem me? Who can save me? Who can regenerate me? Who can help me out? There's only one person who can do that. That's Jesus Christ. And you say, why would that be the case? Because Jesus Christ is Almighty God. He knows what it's like to be man and also what it's like to be God. You won't find anybody else in history that ever claimed to be God and man. Many religious people have come over the years and they've said this and they've said that, they've done this, they've done that, but they're just men. You've had women, of course, that have come and done certain things, but they were just ordinary people like you and I. But when Jesus Christ arrived on the earth, it was a whole different ball game. The Bible says how God was manifested in the flesh. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. If you had been privileged to have seen Jesus Christ in the flesh, you got a glimpse, you got a look at the one true eternal God. He says those that have seen the Son have seen the Father. He wasn't claiming of course to be the Father, but he was claiming that Almighty God, God the Father, was found in him. Everything to do with deity was found in Jesus Christ. Goodness, holiness, righteousness, everything. And on one occasion, on one occasion he was condemned by the Jews. And he says, why do you condemn me? And they said, because you are a man and you make yourself to be God. Absolutely. If he wasn't God, he couldn't help you. If he wasn't God, he couldn't save you. 
He claimed to be God, he claimed to be man. And that's why they crucified him. They probably thought that they were doing a great service to Jehovah, when in reality they were fulfilling Bible prophecy. No death, no salvation. Without shedding of blood, there can be no salvation, no remission of sins. Almighty God is interested in blood. His son's blood. He doesn't want your blood. You can't offer him anything. His son has done it all for you. All he calls me to do now is to repent. I'm going back to my banner one more time. Except ye repent, all of you. Ye shall all likewise perish. It's a pretty terrible thing to have to say. It's a truth and yet it doesn't have to be that way. If somebody would repent, if somebody would, uh, would return to the Lord Jesus Christ now by their faith, he will receive you, he will save you, he will regenerate you. And within five seconds you've gone from being an enemy of the Lord to a friend of the Lord. Amen and Amen. Roman Catholics, Roman Catholics, all the same, right? Right? They despise, they despise the God of Israel. They want nothing to do with the Jews. They go around selling bread instead of the Northeasters. They worship the Mitra or the Sun God, right? And they want nothing to do with the real God of Israel. So what's happening? You're not discerning. What's happening? You're not discerning the Lord's body. That's why you're weak in faith, sickly in body, and a lot of us die young. Nice to meet you. How you keeping? Right, that's what's happening. You born again? Right, that's what's happening. Washing the blood? My friend, Satan can call exactly what you're doing. Does mm -hmm. that make him safe? The word of God says in the last of times there'll be many falling away. How can yep. they fall away if they're Christians? But are you born again? What is born again? Well, you tell me. Are you born again? You tell me. You should know if you are. If you're married, you should know if you're married or not. The happy faces, God. Would I want to live with him? It can't be all culture. Come on. It can't be a black and white issue that only black people laugh and white people are so miserable. How can you be miserable if you say you've got this truth? Hey, how can you be miserable out here? Tell you repent, you shall perish. Repent of what? Your sins. Repent of sin. What Unbelief. Is sins? Unbelief. Transgression against the law. You know what the Bible says about sin. What law? Ten Commandments. Who are you? He said, you're not in the law. We're not in the law. Christ fulfilled the law. So what are you know about Matthew then? Matthew 5. So what are we repenting from? What, is, what does law? Romans 5 say? For by the what deeds of the law, so no flesh be justified in the sight of the Lord. You're Christ became a curse what for you, us. What are you repenting of if you're not under the law? You're repenting of your unbelief. You're repenting of your sins against the Lord. But we're not under the law. You're still a sinner. You violated well, the spirit of the law. We're not. We don't keep the law. We don't live by the law. But the law can still be used to convert you. It says it over in 1 Timothy. Well, what is the law? I've just told you, Ten Commandments. I thought the law was love. No. Where's that in the Bible? Well, God says, um, if you come to him and make a new covenant with the house of Israel, and you put this law in our inward parts that's and Jeremiah. in our hearts. That's Jeremiah. That's the new covenant God No, it's not. Said. That's with Israel. That's for the millennium. That's what I'm saying to you. See me. See We're in the church age, my friend. Israel. Right, and he said, we don't ourselves from We're alive in Christ. We're, We're born again. You. you said that's for Israel. It is for Israel. For the millennium. That's for the new earth. Not for now. Covenant. I thought you were in the new covenant. No. We're in the new, one of the new birth now. We're in the church age. I thought you were in the new covenant though. 
New covenant, new birth. What you just quoted is from Jeremiah 31. Yes, covenant. For Israel on the new earth. Not for us, nope. Gentiles, we're not just for Israel. We're not Jews, we're Gentiles. And you may be a Jewish man, but I'm a Gentile. Alright. Nice talking to you. I wonder if we can sit like that. You speak for yourself. Gospel, I'm not weak and sickly. Not weak and sickly. I'm pretty healthy. Maybe you're not, but I'm fine. After the second century, after the first apostle died out, right? You Europeans, you Europeans come in, right? And give us all these nations that have a hard time. You put us all in slavery, rob us our heritage and all that. And put yourself as God upon earth, you people. Slaughter the Jews, so forth. Enslave black people. Right, you don't know what you're talking about half the time. So the Bible says, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. But the truth is this, we haven't got holiness in and of ourselves. We can't say or do anything when it comes to pleasing the Lord. All we can do is to believe on Him, is to receive Him. That is grace, that's God's grace, God's righteousness at Christ's expense. But many people don't believe it. Many people don't want to receive it. Many people think that they have the right type of religion, the right type of attitude. But the Bible says that the road to hell is wide. The road to destruction is broad. And many, not few, on that wide road to destruction. Our purpose today is quite simply to get you off that wide road. Our purpose today is to get you born again to introduce you to the saviour of the world. It's like this. Let's say you are a soldier and you are stationed outside Buckingham Palace. And for many, many years you've been out there, day and night, and the Queen goes past you in a car, you see her, she sees you, but you don't know her. She doesn't know you. And then one day someone says to you, would you like to meet the Queen? And you say, absolutely. And you are, you are taken by the hand, picked to the Holy Spirit, into the palace to meet the Queen. In five seconds, you've gone from knowing of the Queen to knowing her personally. It's never going to be the same after that. You now know her. And she knows you. That's a relationship. That's not religion. But many people here today are wanting to do religion. They actually think they can get to heaven without Jesus Christ. I know it's a joke, isn't it? But people believe that. People believe they are good enough in and of themselves to make it to heaven, and they can't. If you could save yourself, why would Christ have to die on the cross? Why would he call on people to repent? Why would he preach more times about hell than heaven? Because he knew that the reality was that most people would go to hell when they die. It's devastating. And the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him would not perish, there's that word again, perish, but have everlasting life, eternal life, life without end. It's a free gift. What more can God do for you? He's given you creation. He's given you conscience. He gave you a son. And he's given you the word of God. And I would suggest this, that if you turn all that down, 
If you turn your nose up at that, you don't deserve him. And yet even, even saying that, even with such an attitude, he still loves you. He still has a desire to save you, to rescue you. And he waits, and he waits, and he waits. And every so often, someone somewhere repents, believes on him, receives him, and they receive everlasting life. Like that man outside the palace. He no longer knows of the queen, he knows her personally. Do you know the Lord personally? Are you washed in the blood? Are you born again? Do you love him? Are you a big enough man to take a stand for him? Do you show your family how to pray? Are you a good example to your work colleagues? And those in your neighborhood? Do you fear God and hate evil? These are the questions that people have to ask themselves. Don't tell me you go to church. Don't tell me you were baptized. That means nothing. It's only when you are born again are you received and in the right relationship with the right God. Please examine yourselves today. Check out what I've said. What else is more important? You owe it to yourself to check out what I've been what I've been saying over the last couple of hours. People of Bristol, we have a very special message for you from the blessed Lord Jesus Christ. May it reach in deep into your hearts today. We'll start with Psalm 1, the word of the Lord from the King James Bible. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever they doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the presence, stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. The true message indeed reaches Bristol today from all corners of the earth. Psalm 2 Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heaven shall laugh, the Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them with his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron, thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now therefore, O ye kings, 
Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest ye be angry and ye perish from the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Praise and glory to Jesus Christ. People of Bristol, hear the word of the Lord today from the King James Bible, the true word of God. Praise and glory to Jesus Christ for the word that's coming out right now. I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. The sorrows of death compassed me and the pains of hell got hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous, yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low and he helped me. Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death and mine eyes from tears and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, therefore have I spoken. I was greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. What shall I render unto the Lord for all these benefits towards me? I will take the cup of salvation and call, up, call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly I am thy servant. I am thy servant and the, and the son of thine handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. In the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of thee, O Jerusalem, praise ye the Lord. O praise the Lord, all ye nations, praise him, all ye people, for his merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. People of Bristol, receive Jesus Christ, the Saviour of the world, into your hearts this day. Don't be tricked by the trickery of the devil. Yes, you live in a very comfortable life right now. It's the paradise for those who are foolish. Be wise this day now and call upon Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. There is no other way. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life, think about those words for one moment that eradicates every religious system on earth. Today is the day. Call upon Jesus Christ. There's no other name. In his blessed name, Peace be upon you all. Amen.